Good morning. Uh, Merry Christmas. I hope you had a fantastic Christmas and uh, Christmas season. I know I did. I hope that you did as well. Uh, we're going to be closing up our um, sermon series on the Christmas tree this morning, and I get to talk about the top of the tree, uh, the most important part. Now, I get to talk about the top of the tree. We've talked so far about uh, the ornaments of hope. We've talked about the lights of faith, the gift of love, the tree of grace, and today is the angel of peace. That's what we get to talk about this morning. The reason we've been doing that is because we wanted to get a tangible, tangible reminder of uh, what something we already have, a Christmas tree. Who here doesn't have a Christmas tree? Most of us probably have a Christmas tree, right? In our culture, it's something we all have, and we wanted to, uh, next time you put your tree up or take your tree down, we wanted you to kind of think about some of the aspects of our faith. So with that, who here has already taken their tree down? Is there a group of you that already have? Some of us have. So that means we got a lot that already that hasn't taken their tree down. Who hasn't taken their tree down? Oh, wow, there's a lot. That should hit everyone. However, there may be a third group out there. Who here didn't actually get to putting your tree up this year at all? Any of them? Yeah, we got a few. All right. All right. Well, uh, the idea behind this is as you're taking your tree down this year, to start thinking about the ornaments as, as a sign of hope and the lights as faith. And, and today we're going to talk about the angel Angel of Peace. When I think of peace, I think of uh, those beauty pageants where they say world peace. You know, that's always the common answer. You know, what's, it's, it's like a Jesus answer at church. You know, what's the question? I don't know. The answer is Jesus. Sounds good. Well, it's kind of like uh, those beauty pageants. Have you seen Miss Congeniality? Uh, you guys seen that movie? Well, I have seen it. Even before I got married, I saw it. So it wasn't just her that made me watch it. I've seen it before. But I want to show a clip from that movie. Go ahead and put that up there for me. I would have to say world peace. Definitely world peace. That's easy. World peace. World peace. What is the one most important thing our society needs? That would be harsher punishment for parole violators, Stan. And world peace. So this, uh, this idea of peace is something that is, is very, something that a lot of people want in our culture, yet it seems to be something that is, uh, is not a lot of people have. And in fact, if you do a Google book search for a few key words of, uh, you look up uh, stuff like fear, anxiety, and worry, you come up with over 150 million hits for books. Just to put that in perspective, if you search for books for a popular food like pizza, it only comes up with like 3 million. And football, there should be a lot, 11 million. And even if you search for the Holy Spirit, you only come up with 17 million. Yet if you're searching for fear and anxiety and worry, you come up with 150. So it's obviously something that a lot of people deal with, and peace is something that eludes so many people. So we're going to look back at the, the Christmas story, the Christmas birth story of Jesus. We're going to be in Luke Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. It's the third book of the New Testament. So it should be relatively easy to find the New Testament there. Also, if you're following on on your phones, you can uh, just follow right along in the Bible app on your phones. Also, if you have a little worship folder, you can follow in there. And don't forget that as you're filling out notes that we have announcements all over here. Some pretty important stuff. Make sure that you just every Sunday you just take a look at what we have over there. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be starting in verse 8. So we can uh, go ahead and put that up there for us. I think it's on screen. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and, and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. One of the first things I wanted to, to point out about this passage is who the angels first appeared to. The angels appeared to shepherds first to proclaim this message of the Messiah. And so that's, uh, that's an important question we wanted to ask is why did he appear to shepherds? What was, is there a reason? Just to give you an idea of how shepherds were looked upon, we have a theologian, a quote from him, Thomas Constable, who says this about, uh, about shepherds from the first century Jesus' time. Shepherds were socially looked down upon in Jesus' day. Their work made them ceremonially unclean, and they had a reputation for being untrustworthy. That sounds like a really good group to proclaim the Messiah to, don't you think? They weren't e- this group of people wasn't even allowed to worship with their friends sometimes, because their friends and family, because they were unclean. They were poor. They were outsiders. And that's who Jesus chose to share the, the peace on earth this peace to all men, to, is, uh, to, the, to the shepherds. Well, when we look a few verses down, we can see why. In verse 10, it says that he's bringing good news for all people. This good news is for all people. It's not just for this idea of peace. It's not just for the, the teachers of the law and the rabbis. It's for all people, even people as low as the shepherds. Verse 14 is our kind of our, our main verse for the morning and it's this it's the scripture it says glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests so the first thing that uh, we could see from this passage and what our Bible say about peace is that peace comes from God peace comes from God so we see there that peace is uh, as it says there in our verse there's another passage I really like that Jesus speaks and it's in John chapter 14 verse 27 And in that scripture, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So this is Jesus, who's, this is right before he's about to be betrayed. He's sharing this to the disciples. Um, I think it's, uh, it's pretty powerful that he says that I don't give as the world gives. My peace is not the type of peace that maybe you're thinking of. Maybe not quite this world peace that we so often talk about. If you do a Greek study of the word peace, you study the, the origins of that Greek word, it says that this type of peace can actually prevail, it can actually come out in like in war. In, in a worldly war, you can still have peace inside of you. And so that would, that's totally different than what the world says. Peace is not, war is the opposite of peace, Right? Well, earlier I said the Messiah, he brings peace. Jesus brings peace. God, it comes, from, it comes from God, all this peace. But that doesn't mean that everyone just receives peace automatically. It's not just all oh, years walking, you, can, you get this peace. There's a specific type of people that can receive this peace, and the, it's our next blank there, is that peace is for all believers. Peace is for all believers. 
That may sound kind of weird, like, well, Brian shared last week a really powerful statement that Christianity is the, is the most inclusive, exclusive religion. religion. Because it's the most inclusive because it's for everybody. As we said, the good news is for all people. Peace is for all people. But it's exclusive because you can only receive that peace through one person, and that's through Jesus Christ. So this peace we receive is through Jesus for all people who put their faith in him. Some of you may be familiar with uh, of this passage of, you may have heard, peace on earth, goodwill to men. You may have heard that translation. That's how the King James translates. That's how some of our songs, our Christmas carols, they use that phrase. Uh, the NIV says, peace on earth and goodwill, or the King James, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But I think the NIV does a little bit better job when it says that it's through him who his favor rests. Well, it says this is for all believers. It's for people who God has, who, who have chosen God and chosen to follow Jesus. And see, I, um, I am a believer. I'm someone who puts my faith in Jesus. And I'm someone that I can say as a personal testimony, someone who constantly receives this type of peace. Someone who is constantly overwhelmed with this type of peace. And it's kind of hard to explain sometimes the peace that you have. As a Christian. Because as I said, it can happen in times of war, in times of struggle, in times of turmoil, but you can still have a peace about you. I think it's why there is a really powerful scripture that Paul writes to the church of Philippi. It's in Philippians chapter 4. He says a really powerful phrase, uh, verse here that that's, it, I would love that. It's a good one to have uh, framed on your wall. It's a really powerful verse. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So I think it's, it's I, can't, I, I can't explain this peace sometime, and Paul even says, hey, it's gonna comp- this peace is going to surpass all understanding. I think it's pretty powerful. So we know that this peace comes from God. It's for all believers. It's going to transcend all understanding. Let me share a little bit about myself that some of you know, if you know uh, me growing a little bit about my childhood. Um, 2001 was a pretty crazy year for our, for our country. Uh, that was when 9-11 happened in September. Very uh, uh, eye-opening experience. Rocked the nation. Well, that was just the beginning for my family. About, um, about a week later, a little over a week later, my grandpa, my dad's dad, who had been battling Parkinson's disease, he died. And um, it was a really tough time. It was really the first death I had experienced with my family. It was a really tough time. Well, um, just to, to pile on to it, about a month and a half later, my other grandpa, my mom's dad, had a massive heart attack, and he died. Real, I mean, it's this is really a lot going on. I missed a lot of school, and I was gone for weeks at a time, traveling and spending time with family. Really tough. Well, then the new year came, and uh, in the beginning of January, my 16-year-old cousin, who uh, had a brain tumor when he was born, had a surgery, was doing well. He had to have another surgery as a teenager. He was recovering well from this next surgery, and one day he, he didn't wake up. So within like a five-month time frame, I lost both my grandpas and my 16-year-old cousin. Really hard time for my family. I mean, I just, it was, 
there, I, I don't remember a whole lot about my childhood specifically, a lot, of, a lot of specifics before, you know, from middle school younger. But I vividly remember a conversation with my dad, and he may not even remember it, I don't know. But I had a conversation with my dad, and he was just, as after all of this had happened, uh, we, had lost, uh, we had lost so much. And I remember him saying, just asking me if I had any questions about anything, if I was struggling with anything, if I was angry about anything, if, if there was just any, he's just asking, you know, I, I'm here to talk with you about it. He may not have all the answers, but, but I remember thinking and telling him, I, I really didn't. As, as a 12-year-old boy, I specifically remember having this peace about the whole situation. Now, was I sad? Absolutely. I probably cried more in that six months than I did in my first six months on the planet. All right? It, was not, it wasn't a happy time, but I had this peace in me that God blessed me with, that I have, um, I've really latched on to as I've grown up. But that when I think about this, there wasn't peace involved in all of that. There's a lot of questions and, and anger involved, but I had this peace about me. It does remind me, though, of this, of it kind of, I look back to that passage that we read earlier, that the angels said, that they said there's going to be peace. Well, if I, look at that pa- if I look at that passage, and I think about all these other things that happened in my life, I think about World War I and World War II and, and 9-11, all these other things, I kind of, I there's a question, there's a grinding, something there. It's, I like to call it the elephant in the room, all right? So we have the elephant in the room here. We got a picture here, too. You can put that up for us. You guys ever seen these awkward family photos where they're, they're obviously mad at each other, but there's also a literal elephant picture in the room? But I see that there's an elephant in the room. There's something sticking on here that just doesn't make sense that we got to address, all right? So if there's peace on earth, how do we explain all the wars? How do we explain all of the death and all the pain? I did, a, I did a little research, and just in our countries, just 200 plus 200 years of our country's history, there are, our country has been involved in over 50 wars. That doesn't sound very peaceful to me. And that's just our little country. That doesn't even have to do with the whole world. Some people say peace is the absence of war. Well, if there's all this war, how is there peace? A really tragic and ironic example of this is you have uh, the Roman Catholics, they wanted to place a star over uh, the birthplace of Jesus. They wanted to place a star. So the Catholics were like, let's place this star. This is in the 1800s. Let's place a star over the birthplace of Jesus. It'll be a memory and uh, something for him. Well, you had the, the, the Orthodox, the, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Christians, who, uh, who they wanted to put their own star over the birthplace of Jesus. They didn't want the Catholics to put it. They wanted their own star, all right? So there was a problem here. There's a little bit of grinding. Well, in this situation, you had the Eastern Orthodox over here. They had Russia who backed them up. Russia's like, we'll support you. We got you. Well, you had the Catholics over here. They were backed by France. And at the time, Turkey had jurisdiction over that area, over Palestine. And Turkey backed France. So now you got these two sides that are, that are going against each other. And then what ends up happening is Russia declares war on Turkey for this whole situation. 
And for three years, you have the Crimean War take place. And why did it take place? It had to take place over a fight, over the place that peace was first introduced and talked about in this world. How crazy is that? How messed up is that? That they have a fight over the birthplace of Jesus where the angels declare that there is going to be peace. So I think there's really only two ways to look at this scripture. I really think there's only two ways. One way to look at the scripture about peace here, the angels say, is that it's wrong. It's contradictory to our life. How on earth can you say there's peace on earth and explain everything that's happened for the past 2,000 years? Can't be, I don't like that translation. I don't like that, uh, I, don't, I look at that and I don't think that's, that doesn't gel well and doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I think the only other option is that maybe, maybe just maybe there's this peace the angels speak of isn't the peace that we normally think of on this world. Maybe the peace they're talking about isn't the world peace that all the beauty pageants talk about. Maybe this peace isn't the absence of war. Maybe it's more of a peace that isn't swayed by the world. A peace that, that you can have in all situations, no matter what's going on in your life, because of Jesus. It's really more of a mindset of peace than anything. That you don't let the things of this world get you down and worry about the things in this world because there's something greater going on. Something greater going on inside of us and that this earth is not the end. Which takes me to the last point here is that peace is the ultimate end goal. Peace is how it's all going to end. When it's all said and done, there's going to be peace. Let me tell you uh, about a man named Simeon. Simeon was a good and he was a righteous man. Uh, He was told by the Holy Spirit that in his lifetime, he would get to see the Messiah. That's pretty powerful. Jesus had been promised, the Messiah had been promised for over a thousand years to the Israelites. And they didn't know when he was going to come. But the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would be alive when the Holy Spirit came. Just to put that in kind of our modern modern, uh, look on it, that would be like if someone was told that they would be alive when Jesus came back. Like they knew when Jesus came back. That's almost the same type of, uh, of reality to us that it was to them. So think about that. Think about if you were someone that was revealed in your lifetime would be when Jesus came back. That's what it was for Simeon. Simeon was a righteous man. He was revealed he would not die until he saw the Messiah. So one day, he's just at the, he's at the temple. He's worshiping, and he sees this young couple walk in with a little baby. They're coming to sacrifice for the baby. And Simeon looks over at him, and the Holy Spirit reveals to him that this, that little baby, unexpected, as we know, that little unexpected baby, that's the Messiah. So you've got to just imagine Simeon's like, oh my goodness, finally. You know, he's an old man at this point. He's, he's, he's finally getting to see the Messiah. And I love what he says when he, he goes over and he holds, he goes over to Mary and Joseph and he sees Jesus. And in Luke 2.29, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon used the same word for peace here that the angels used whenever they proclaim peace to the shepherds. Simeon knew that the ultimate end goal was peace. He knew that now that the end of his life, now that he saw the Messiah, he can now be dismissed in peace. 
We've got to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Paul writes a really powerful scripture here. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father and by one spirit. This tells us that when Jesus was on earth here, he preached peace. That was something that he preached. And he notice that it says he preached it to those who were far and near. He wasn't exclusive to who he preached to. He preached it to everyone. Jesus brought peace. He gave peace. He is peace. So we know that peace comes from God, and, and peace is for all believers. And we know that peace is ultimately the end. That's where, in the end, we will have all peace. So what do we do with this? What's... uh? How can we have this peace rule our lives? Because I don't know all of you. I don't know what you're all going through. But I bet right now if you picked one word to define yourself, you wouldn't say peaceful. Peaceful is not something that we generally, just, that's something that almost it's hard for us to grasp. But how can we have peace in our life? Well, first thing I think is you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step in, in getting this peace. It's Matthew 28, not verse chapter 11 that you'll see in, in your bulletins there. But Matthew 20, 18 through 20, is, it's the Great Commission. It says, Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and he says, I, uh, I'm going to send you out. You go out and you uh, baptize, all decide, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching everything I've, I've, oh, I've commanded you. And then he says, and I will be with you even to the very end. We kind of gloss over that last verse sometimes, I think. We, we're like, oh yeah, we need to go and make disciples. That's a great part of it. But we forget the promise at the end that Jesus will be with us to the very end of the time, very end of the age. Jesus, as we know, is peace. Now, I'm not saying that all Christians are going to have it easy. Don't get me wrong. Christians do not have, as you put your faith in Jesus, it's not like, well, everything's going to be rolled out in front of you. You can just walk along the carpet and just uh, just soak up everything. It's going to be awesome. On the contrary, I think being a Christian makes things harder. I think being a Christian makes things tougher because you now have to, to, to live a life that isn't your own. You realize this life isn't your own. So I think that being a Christian makes things tougher. But as a Christian, you have a Savior who can carry you through and overcome it. You have a Savior who overcame the world. He doesn't give as the world gives. So when we're struggling on the world, when we put our faith in Jesus, we can have a peace because he can give it to us. The second thing I think we have to do is we have to think big picture. Think big picture. I'm a big picture thinker. 
anyone out there big picture thinker you always kind of see the end whenever you're working maybe when you're building something you're just envisioning the end I'm big picture I really I, I that's just how I how I'm uh, how I was built how I was made but I think you need to think big picture when it comes to peace because let me show you this. I love this, uh, I love this uh, example. Francis Chan uses this example of, of, of an extension cord. This has to do with uh, thinking big picture. He says that in our life, our life, whether it's, you know, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 90 years, 100 years, however long you live on the planet, is represented by this this, the end of this right here, this little extension cord, the end of it where you plug in. And eternity is represented by the rest of this cord that you can't even see the end of because it doesn't end. And in our life, this, say, 80 years that we live is just right here. We focus all we are into this. So many people in, in their lives devote everything they are into this little itty-bitty time frame, and they neglect the rest. Thinking big picture says that while you're living this time frame, in this time frame, you're thinking about the rest. And you know what is involved in the rest of this? That's what we've been talking about all morning. Peace. Ultimate peace. So when we're thinking big picture, whenever we're struggling with, when we're struggling with just our relationships, and when we're struggling with our finances, and when we're struggling with, with just all the pain of this world, we can understand that this is just temporary. That all it is is this little blip on the, on the radar and that we have so much more to look forward to. That's how you can have peace in all situations. Now, is it going to be easy? No. It's not easy. But whenever you realize that, as I said, Jesus overcame the world, he is peace. It'll help you think big picture. It'll help you Put your faith in what's to come, not what's going on right now. So my prayer this morning is that if you're already someone that's put your faith in Jesus, if you're already someone who has said, I've accepted Jesus, I've been immersed into him, that you remember what that really means. You remember that that really means that you have peace that can, that can take over your life. I pray that's what you can remember today. And if you're someone who hasn't accepted Jesus into their life, and, and it's something that this, you're just missing something, There's, you can't get through these, these struggles, these problems, all these horrible things in your life, that you turn to Jesus. Because it says in the scriptures that he can give you rest. And he is peace. So let's pray. God, I am so grateful for your word that it's an encouragement to me. It's encouragement to all of us. That you have spoken directly to, to people and you've said no matter what's going on on the planet right now, whatever, whatever is going on in your situations, you can have peace through Jesus. I am so grateful that I have that blessing I pray that I don't take advantage of that and I don't forget it. I pray all of us can do that. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.